0: We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy, one conversation at a time.
1: Three, two, one, zero, ignition.
0: Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I am Mark Vivens, Vice President of Business Development at Pioneer Rx. Today, I am here with my co-host, Josh. I'm Josh Allen, Vice
1: President of Clinical Strategy at Pioneer Rx.
0: And we have Benjamin Jolly here from Jolly's Compounding Pharmacy in Salt Lake City, Utah.
1: He's probably one of the, uh,
0: at least from the social media side, for sure, like very present on social media, but also like a contracting sell-side strategy expert.
2: I'm a third-generation pharmacist. My grandpa, um, my grandpa got into pharmacy in the '50s um, and started the family business in on June seventh, 1954. Um, then my pops uh, joined the business. Uh, he he graduated pharmacy school in 1980, and then I um, so I started working in the pharmacy when I was 14 years old as a clerk. Um, so I, there, that, that was when I started working there. I, I have some, I'll, I'll share an amusing anecdote from uh, All right. when I was in that. We love those. Uh, so I think I must have been six or something. And um, I was at, uh, so at, at the time, my family, um, my dad and his brothers owned three pharmacies jointly. Um, they've since split ways. But um, anyway, so I was at the other store that's now my uncle's solely. And they were doing some kind of meeting or something. And I was just in the back at the ordering computer, which for some reason they had a computer that's like solely dedicated to that. They used to do that a lot like way back. You'd have like one green screen computer that you'd
1: walk by and like order every now and then. It was weird.
2: Yeah. It was just the ordering computer in the corner. And. So they left me just on a chair there. I remember it was a a raised chair, like, you know, probably I'm like probably three feet tall and it's like (laughs) raising me up like three feet or something. Um, And I'm just sitting there looking at the computer and the ordering website was pulled up and I discovered that if I pressed like buy now or order, it would do this really cool like (laughs) 90s graphic where it would send it it would show this picture of an order like I don't know like flying over like, to the wholesaler or oh, something. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and so I think I must have ordered like $20,000 worth of product that day oh that my did not need. God. Uh, <laughs> so my uncle, my uncle discovered what I had been doing and was just like, what the heck? <laughs> um cuz i had just been pressing this button cuz i'm like this is a cool graphic i'll just watch this over oh, I, and over i again. love this it's a game right yeah, no, d- yeah. <laughs> no doubt those are some of my earliest memories in the pharmacy so that um, was
0: that was benjamin like first getting into the buy side of the business when he was
2: yeah six there you years go years just old. clicking buttons for, for the buy side's easy
0: <laughs> right apparently yeah a 6 year old could do it <laughs>
2: not correctly and can order a lot more drug than you need before they had uh, agreements where you could return stuff with uh, full credit so, <laughs> yeah so I started working in the pharmacy when I was 14 and um, then got my tech license or started doing deliveries when I was 16 I was I was our driver I went and we would I would visit this one old lady I remember who could not lift her arm above about here like i don't know 70 degree angle i have that same problem Um, actually (laughs) (laughs) um and so i would deliver her hydrocodone every month um and she would she would always every month uh, i would go deliver her meds and she would sit there and talk to me for like 10 minutes while she used her very disabled arm to check yep yep and then would hand me a five dollar tip every time um that's cool from there i I got my technician license when I was 18 and, um, and then uh, I remember, uh, so I'm, I'm LDS um, and I went on a mission to Italy. Um, And as I was, as I was finishing that my uh, mission president, the, the older gentleman who's like in charge of all the missionaries, um, he, he, he gave me an exit interview. And as we were, as we were talking, he he told me, um, that I needed to think about a career. And he gave me some criteria of like, what a good career looks like. Um, he said, you need to have a career where, uh, you enjoy your work. So it's one where you're not going to wake up in the morning, look at your wife and say, I didn't have a wife. I wouldn't have to go to work. I hate work.
1: <laughs> if you didn't right?
2: have a, that's the, uh, it's sage advice. That, that was, he had three criteria. That was one, two was one that pays well enough that you don't have to work like 80 hours, hundred hours a week. So you have time to help other people and, and give back. And then the third was, um, God, I can't remember the third, whatever. <laughs>
1: Those were the two that were good ones. No, the, the interesting part about that is you still chose pharmacy.
2: Right. So as I was sitting there, you know, 21 years old, I'm sitting there. Well, my dad my dad makes a decent amount of money. That's, that's a job where you don't have to work like a bazillion hours. Right. I mean, usually he, he works 40 and 50 hour weeks, but he's, he's not usually working 100 hour weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Where did you go on your LDS mission? Uh, Milan, Italy. Oh wow. I mean yeah. there there are some
1: worse places to go. There are worse to places to go. Yes. Yeah.
2: There are definitely worse places to go. I I definitely uh drew drew the uh the long end of the stick on that one. Are you are you fluent? Uh, are you fluent in
0: is it um, Italian, I'm assuming? <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah, Josh is looking at me like I'm an idiot. People yes, in Mark. Italy yes, do Mark. speak it's Italian. Italian.
2: <laughs> gotcha but let's just do um, it yeah.
1: like
0: this let's just do the rest
1: we'll just have to laugh we'll the
2: truth and believe that you're actually speaking Italian
0: right he's just insulting us the whole time are you are you fluent in another, any other languages I think you are
2: I mean I, I speak some Spanish but I I would hardly call myself fluent gotcha. in Spanish um, I mean it's close enough to Italian that I can um, as they say in Italian me la cabo I, I can I can fake it. You can fake it. Cool. Which is a lot more useful than speaking Italian here in Salt Lake. No one. <laughs> yeah, I, probably... I, I've had in the last three years that I've been here, I've had one person come in from Italy, and so I got to talk to him. But oh, I've had cool. like 200 people who are Hispanic who don't speak any English. So
0: <laughs> yeah, you're probably his pharmacist for life, though. I'll
2: tell you that. He went back to Italy after oh, okay, I Sorry. <laughs> <sort of attention>. <That's>... So. so so a really good, a good strong setup. interaction yeah. yeah yes i i convinced him that america was not for him <laughs> clearly <laughs> he's like you know what <laughs> I'm out of here i think you were one of the
0: folks publicly at least out there kind of talking about it. i think we're going um, no pso PSAO for people who don't know what that is Pharmacy Services Administrative Organization helps with contracting with the PBMS. And you guys were like, "You know what? I think we're going to elect to not do that and, and and see if we can manage it ourselves." Um and it, can you give us a quick update on how that's gone? I think it's been what 10-11 months now.
2: It, yeah. Yeah, so last year we we were looking at the numbers and um Basically, since late 2018, I've been thinking about this um, because I just heard of all these pharmacies getting hit with these massive true ups due to generic effective rates. Um, And I was like, I I don't I don't want to have a, you know, $50,000 true up just randomly come out at us. And I discovered that um, if you were not part of a chain, a chain or a PSAO, um, then to my knowledge at least, there's no generic effective rates in any contract with just a single missy entity. Um and so yeah, we decided to contract on our own. And so I I am the PSAO here um at our pharmacy. Um I, I provide all of the credentialing and all of the services that they provide. I do them here. Um and it it's been it's been interesting. Um So, I mean, there's been some really, I mean, I've enjoyed it because, like, I get to actually be the one who decides, do we take this contract or not, right, rather than delegating it to a board of people who may or may not have the same strategy as me, right? Um, Because PSAOs, their main purpose, like, with their founding in the 80s was to gain access to limited access contracts because um, being able to contract with you know a 5,000 store entity with one signature from a PBM's perspective is much easier than signing 5,000 individual pharmacies. If they wanna design a limited network, um, they're gonna go with the easier route. Um, but recently, these, these limited contracts are just I mean, I don't know anyone who really wants to take them um, because, I mean, you, you want to be able to service your patients, but the reimbursements are just so poor that unless you are a Walgreens or a CVS where you can buy drugs for um, a tenth of what I do or something, I don't know. I don't know what, what they have the capacity to buy at, but, but unless you have that ability to buy much more aggressively, um, then those contracts are just a sure loser. So in terms of payer
1: mix, um, you know, in some states, not being in like say a prime network would be devastating. Do you guys have like a, a real like I guess a, a more
2: balanced? Yeah, miss. balanced
1: is a good word. Like a payer diversified mix diversified. of. yeah, yeah it's diversified to be better because like you know you take like North Carolina and it's
2: Blue Cross,
0: right? Same right. with Louisiana, right. right?
2: Right. Losing that contract accounted for about eleven percent of our fill volume. So wow. Um, but to be frank, it wasn't terribly high margin business. So we lost a lot of volume, but we didn't really lose a lot of margin. If you're a rural pharmacy where there's like no pharmacy for 30 or 50 miles, um, you have a lot more leverage with PBMs. And if you're in that situation and you're with a PSAO, you should strongly consider um, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Bold. direct contracting because... Uh-huh. You can get substantially better rates than what your PSAO could get. Wow! Um, I mean, I've I've talked to some folks in rural areas, and they're getting. um, I would not be worried about our margin if I were in if I had their contracts. Let's just say. Wow.
0: (laughs) That's interesting. Um, What about like uh, administrative burden, just in general? Like, uh, you know, that's kind of one I guess convenience factor of a PSAO. Are, is it kind of an administrative nightmare is it seasonal is it kind of like hey you know you you, you got to kind of grind it out for a couple of months and you're kind of done and you build your metrics or you build your dashboard or you build your whatever to monitor what you agreed to but is it or is it an all-year kind of you know Slug.
2: yeah so most of the work is upfront okay. um I mean doing doing the credentialing with all the PBMs takes a substantial amount of time and I figure it took us probably 40 or 50 hours to fill out all the paperwork for all of the different PBMs that, we, uh, that we're that credentialed with. Um, but then, like the maintenance bit, I mean, I I don't really feel like it's much better or worse than it was before. Um, it's about the same. I mean, <clears throat> even when you're with the PSA, you still have to update your NCPDP profile. Right. And that's yeah. a lot of a lot of the maintenance work is just when you get a new liability policy, you put it up on NCPDP and like, if you, if you're cr- contracted on your own, you have to remind yourself to do that. Right. Right. Where if you're with a PSAO, they'll email, they'll send you nasty grams if you don't do it. Um, but you still, you that still helps, are the one though.
1: doing it. Yeah. Right. Right. That's that helps. Yeah. I mean, if it weren't for nasty grams, I probably wouldn't do a lot of stuff.
2: <laughs> Basically you're still the one doing the work of right. uploading the stuff to NCPDP and, making sure that your fraud, waste and abuse checks are done okay. and making sure your staff is HIPAA trained. I mean, the, the PSAOs will provide um, tools to make that easier than if you're doing it by yourself. But like, I mean, you still, it, it's not really a different level of work. It's just a different level of paying attention. I you. Gotcha. Um, right. Versus someone paying attention for you. Right. So far as like throughout the year, I mean, we, we've been getting contracts for 2021 all year long. That's where, we, that's where I was
0: going with that. I think you're getting some more yeah. information a little earlier, I think, right?
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, we, we got some contracts starting in like April for, for 2021. Wow. Um, of, like, do you want to participate in this network or that network? And so, and they say, like, you have to respond within like three or four weeks or something. But then, if you don't respond, they send you another one a month later with notice two you must respond within three or four weeks and I I think that for one network I think WellCare um, Caremark sent me five notices Um, see
0: Josh you're still getting your nasty gramps (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're still getting your nasty gramps
2: (laughs) not the same kinds but yeah right right. Um, and so that so it's just like do you want to participate in this network or not? Uh, but yeah, we, we've, we've known since April what the DIR fees are going to be for 2021 for that network and what the contracted rates are going to be. And so we, we turned that contract down. Um, so anyway, it, it's been, it's been really interesting. Cause like, yeah, I, I, I see all of this stuff all year long. And then some, some other folks are like, how do you know what your DIR fees are gonna be a year, like almost a year in advance? Well, they send you the contract for review all the way back there because like, they need their network to be in place by like July Mm -hmm. um, so that they can have uh, everything in place for CMS for open enrollment in October. Um, And so since you don't have a PSAO, you're the one that evaluates the contract where the PSAO gets that contract the same time as Mm -hmm. I do. Right. In April, then they evaluate it, and then in October you find out what they what they agreed to on your behalf. Right. Okay. Um, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of transparency that's lost in that process. They they do have some negotiating leverage to push back, right? Because they've got you know a couple thousand pharmacies right. to say, "Hey, um, I don't like this this section of this agreement or that section of that agreement," but um, where, where I have zero leverage whatsoever. It's that's true. I take what they give me and decide, to, and that's it,
0: right? Yeah, decide to take it or not.
2: With level funding and self funding, um, I mean, you can you can do a lot more with your benefit. Like um, pharmacies, when they so so pharmacies that are fully insured and then have their employees run their prescriptions through their health insurance um, are basically paying their Uh, paying their premium and like the portion of the premium that's attributable to the, to the drugs they're purchasing is probably like five times the acquisition cost of those drugs. Right. Uh, Right. And so pharmacy would be much better off to, um, financially to just, um, basically just say, you know, you get drugs for free at our pharmacy. um, or you pay a $10, like just pay certain the pharmacy a something. copay right. rather than using the insurance and then like seeing, oh, we made 20 bucks on this prescription. You didn't make any money on the prescription.
0: Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. You're paying for it, right? Yeah, it's in your premiums you, <laughs> for sure.
2: And so um, anyway, so so the pharmacy, like just capturing the cost of their prescription, but inside of the pharmacy rather than sending it off to a third party and then having and then paying it through the premium is like, it, it's really silly. Like, I, I love the analogy that people give of like purchasing drugs through insurance is like, uh, I mean, most of your cheap generics, right? Purchasing lisinopril through insurance is like purchasing your gas through Geico. Um, like, yeah. the, the administrative burden of doing that just means that Geico is going to increase the net cost. Like the cost that you that you see... At the pump might be 20 cents a gallon, but what you're paying in your premiums is going to be substantially more. So so one of the things I was going to, like, we could probably talk about insurance
1: all day and nerd out on that. (laughs) Um, So I know you're involved with Flip the Pharmacy, and a lot of what Flip the Pharmacy is geared to do is really help some of those pharmacies go from kind of operationally, I count by fives, drop pills in a bottle and run away to really kind of becoming the next step of a clinical service. Uh, can you kind of describe what you've been doing in your area of Flip the Pharmacy?
2: Yeah, yeah. So I am the team lead for Team Utah with Flip the Pharmacy. We've got 19 stores um, that are participating. Um, Something like half of them are Pioneer stores. The other half use uh, the vendors. Um, and uh, so... What, what we're, um, like the, the, so last night I was, uh, down in Utah Valley visiting three other pharmacies that are participating. Um, and so I coached them on this month's change package, which for flip the pharmacy, like th- these are not secret. You can find them online. If, even if you're not participating, you can follow along with flip the pharmacy. Okay. Um, I mean, it's all, it's all on flip the There's no secrets here. Um, the concept is to flip the entire industry's model, not just the 500 stores that are participating, right? Right. Um, and so, anyway, so last night I went down to these three stores and um, went through this month's change package, which is just basically saying, hey, when you're, as you're checking people's prescriptions, go and check also their immunization registry. Like Each state has their immunization registry that shows what immunizations each person's got gotten. So um, go and check the registry for folks and see if they've gotten their shingles shot and their pneumonia shot and their tetanus shot and their flu shot. And if they haven't, talk to them about it and give it to them. And then the thing that Flip the Pharmacy does differently than um, prior models like this is that we document what we're doing in the pharmacist's e-care plan. And then that gives us a like in the aggregate across these hundreds of pharmacies that are participating, that gives us like some population health level information of like, look, these pharmacies are intervening hundreds of thousands of times and they're doing this kind of intervention at all of these different places. Um, And so like previous, um, previous grants and stuff like this have, like, shown that, you know, if a pharmacy is, like, the Asheville Project, if a pharmacy is involved in caring for patients with diabetes and high blood pressure and is, like, involved in the care team and is incentivized to do so, they can drop the total cost of care for employers by just this enormous amount. Right. Like, we're we're talking, like, I think something like Eighty percent of, of people in the Asheville project saw their A1Cs drop, and by a like every in every visit, the A1C was going down. Like th- that that's unheard of kind of uh, results. But that was like twenty years ago, and pharmacists still aren't doing that. And it's because it 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 didn't scale easily. Um, where what Flip the Pharmacy is trying to do is just we know these things work. We just want to implement them at scale right. in pharmacies across the country, and then make sure that the pharmacies are documenting in a structured format that's legible to payers, so that they can see the benefits of what we're doing without having to do a lot of manual data gathering. Right, and, and what you said there is really key of the structured piece.
1: Right, that's where one of those areas where it's been this big gap, and you know, I always point to email as being kind of your. Your gold standard of that, you can send an email across the planet, and it doesn't matter what continent you're on, what language you speak. The structure is the same, and you can read it. You can do whatever you want to with it. And healthcare data has been historically terrible at that. And the eCare plan allows you. You know, we're sending things by ICD-10 codes and SNOMED codes and LOINC codes, and all that just means on the end is a pharmacist can share that with literally anybody and speak the same language.
2: Yeah. Yeah. One of the really cool things is that the e-care plan is on, on fire, right? The, the fast healthcare interoperability response. Um, so that means that any other system that um, like any other system that uses fire can just take components of the care plan and suck it into the appropriate section of their, um, of their EHR or of their, whatever the insurance companies use as their databases. Um, but like fire is, is a growing industry standard. And so since it said, this is like each of the segments is, is written in fire. They can, they can just suck out the appropriate elements into the appropriate elements of their, um, of their chart basically. And so you can share information so much more easily than, um, than you could, you know, 20 years ago.
1: Right. And one of the things that we recently did that I know you're excited about because I, I got the issue that you submitted that we did it off of, you know, like one of the things that we've constantly seen change is now when the new e-prescription standard, you can send over a ton of information and part of that was vital signs, right? So now you can get height, weight, blood pressure. Um, so we recently pulled that into pioneer as a whole. And that then automatically gets added to the e-care plan, right? So you, you see this constant feedback loop of being able to consume and share information in a way that would have taken, you know, a, a couple of faxes, maybe a phone call before to get that information that's now just there.
2: Hmm. Yeah, I, I was I was really pleased when I was uh, visiting a pharmacy last night. Um, they had no idea what I was talking about when I said that vital signs were there, but when I asked them to pull up a patient chart and look in the lab stab, sure enough, there it was. Um, because it, you know, this is Pioneer Store. And so they had like six months trending data of, of the patient's weight and height, um, which the heights, hopefully, doesn't really have a trend. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah
0: there is. There is. There's a different
1: problem. <laughs> they, they tend to trend up in young people and down right. in older people.
2: Right, right, right. Okay. Noted. Yeah, but not over six months, yeah. usually, <laughs> at least in older people. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, unless uh, unless you had some kind of very traumatic event, you'd see a pretty quick trend right. there. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's probably a quick <laughs> trend. Um, well, you know, it's funny. In my, uh, my grandma was a diabetic uh, before she died a few years ago, and she was really excited because she called and she said, I lost 50 pounds. And I was like, that's great. She had a below-the-knee amputation, That's, and that was—I so was like, "Oh, come on!"
0: She's funny. All right, <laughs> I love her. Um, so, so, in the what's in it for me? Um, here, like, this is going to be uh, this uh, treat me like a dumb person for a second. Well, not that you don't already, Josh. Um, <laughs> so, so I, I hear flip the pharmacy. I'm, I'm not as involved with it as Josh is. Uh, clearly, in, in our, in our company, is, is a little bit of it is. It's, I know it's a grant program, correct right and and it's and it's let's let's demonstrate in a scaled way like Benjamin said the impact we're having and that's kind of like the ultimate white paper to go hang around and mm-hmm. and, and and show to health plans or or project whatever like right? the results of this is kind of like the ultimate white paper presentation to go you need to spend money on this right is is that is that where am I right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the big part about it is, and the thing that I like about Flip the Pharmacy is you have people like Benjamin going out and talking to other pharmacies and sharing what they do. A lot of these have historically been kind of, you know, um, a pharmacy school professor is going to go out and tell people, and, you know, it'd be like me going out in the world and telling somebody how to run their business. I don't own a pharmacy, so I may know how to do it, but the credibility is not there. So a lot of the Flip the Pharmacy coaches are actual, they've done it they've succeeded in it, and now they're going out to show other people. And it's really about operational planning, right? They're getting more efficient so that they can do the operations and then go out and actually add the clinical services. Because if you just jump straight into care planning without knowing how to run your pharmacy, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. We've seen that over and over again.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I mean, what's in it for you? Like, I I think the ROI of Of this month's change package is a lot more apparent than the previous uh, progressions, because we're telling people, hey, go look at the registry, and then tell people they need to get their vaccines, and then give them to them. Right. Like that directly increases your script count. Your super tangible. Right. Yep. Yep. That that is a super easy. See the value to the pharmacy, right, Um, and. So, and like the, the other kinds of progressions or, and changes that they've done in the prior cohort, I mean, cohort two, we just barely got started like last month. Um, but the prior cohort spent a lot of time um, implementing med, med, medication synchronization um, in the pharmacies. And we'll, we'll be doing that in January as well. Um, and that was some of the conversations that I had. Is like, let's set a goal to increase your sync, your sync uh, patient count, right? Let's increase your prescription volume that goes through Sync, um, and th- those that has tangible benefits to the pharmacy as For well, sure. right? Yeah. You, you see substantially increased uh, throughput of prescriptions, fewer pres- uh, phone calls coming in, fewer delivery d- deliveries going out per prescription uh, right. sold. Right. Like th- there are there are a multitude of benefits of MedSync, and so if like if these pharmacies get nothing but that they their sync volume out of this they will have benefited All right. right gotcha um and so but like beyond that the each each progression so there's there's four progressions of different disease states um and it's six months focused on this next six months is diabetes immunizations um but what each progression there's a a month that's dedicated to let's build the business model for this, right? So go, go talk to, go panic shop down the street and say, Hey, um, do you think you would save money if your diabetic, like your diabetic employees had better um, diabetes management? Go talk to the, the commercial carrier in your area and say, Hey, you think you would save money if, if your patient's A1C was lower? Yeah, I think so. Do you think you'd save money if their blood pressure was under control? Yeah, I think so. How about pay us for it, mm-hmm. right? Um, and here, have a have a template contract for CPSN. Cool. Let's let's make this happen. Uh, it's a lot easier to have that conversation, like you say. It's it's the ultimate white paper, right? Right. We, we can say, like, saying, "Hey, pay pharmacies to do this." Um, when you don't have any data, is a kind of hard conversation. Sure. But when you can say Look, this last month we gathered thirty thousand blood pressures across our twenty five hundred network pharmacy. Like, that's a much easier conversation to have, sure. right? Because they're like, "Oh, yeah, I need to, I need blood pressure data to hit my HEDIS measures. Oh, yeah, I, I can I can sign that contract. Mm-hmm. How much? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's just exciting seeing. Um, I mean, th- this is. This frankly is the answer to the question you asked earlier of like, how do we get out of this doom and gloom? Well, it's, it's building out this, this different payment model for pharmacy, right? We're still going to have the dispensing revenues. We're still going to have the dispensing business. That is the heart and soul of what the pharmacy is doing. And that's what drives the value with, um, with these kinds of interventions with flip the pharmacy. Um, is that these these people are like the the, the classic example is someone um, someone who has diabetes and heart and high blood pressure and a mental health condition and all these things they never take any of their meds except that they're also on Norco and they come back every single month on day thirty for their Norco, right? They they might be impossible for their health plan to find and right. ask them about quitting smoking or whatever, but be in the pharmacy every 30 days on time, right at nine nine o'clock in the morning, because they want to get their meds. Right. Um, and so that that is a patient that you can intervene with, where the health plan by themselves they they have no no way to contact that member if it's like a, a Medicaid MCO. This person doesn't have a phone number. They're homeless, right? But they're they're in your pharmacy every month to get their meds. Right. So for that kind of person like that that is the really easy example of where there's value in pharmacy and why we need to continue to have a viable dispensing business even if we shift to this business model the, the dispensing itself still needs to be profitable right. like we, we can't accept contracts that are that are paying it you know $100 losses on any kind of brand name you fill losing 100 bucks like that that's that's unacceptable because if we lose the ability to dispense then we lose the the ability to intervene with those kinds of patients right and that that in itself is
1: really really smart you know you're tying the ability to provide an actual physical tangible good with that service and that's what's different about pharmacy than it is about almost any other you know health system or health provider outside of things like occupational therapy, right? You go to get a tangible benefit right there, but this is tied to an actual physical picked up thing that you, you can't skip.
0: What made you, or is it just, you're super comfortable getting kind of in the mix on the social media side and really putting yourself out there and your opinions out there to be heard.
2: Um, I'm just an outspoken guy. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I guess a lot of pharmacies are worried about um, about ramifications for if they if they share their experience and they speak their truth mm-hmm. that the PBMs will comment and, um, and retaliate right. against them. Yeah. And like, th- there there are clauses in, in your contract that say you you can't um, disparage this PBM um, in the public. You can't like. It says if you do that, they can get an injunction against you. Like, you, you agree to that when you set the contract. Um, but, I mean, my, my strategy has been to not, as a general rule, not target any particular PBM when I'm talking about these Clearly. things.
0: Clearly, right, yeah.
2: Um, because it, it's, it's not that Caremark is evil or Optum is evil or Express Scripts or Prime or Castia or whoever other pbm is bad or evil or anything it's it's not one pbm in particular it's it's just the incentive structure built into the business model um that's wrong and it it results in just all of these perverse incentives and i don't know i I started doing this when i was in pharmacy school and i had no um like I, i started being very vocal about these things in pharmacy school when like the worst case scenario is that like some PBM sent a cease and desist for saying that they did something bad. Like it it can't, it it wasn't going to go back and bite any kind of pharmacy. I mean, now the stakes are a little higher because like, you know, I'm affiliated with a pharmacy that my family owns. I feel like there's a lot more people willing to, to listen to my side than there are PBM lawyers out there to try and silence um, good faith pharmacists. Right. Like I'm not trying to go screw over a health plan by dispensing these insanely high-priced drugs. Um, I'm I'm just trying to make a living by helping people with their medications and helping people with their health overall. And if the business model of a PBM gets in the way of that, I'm I'm not going to be quiet about it, right? Because um, it's it's wrong there should not be a you know you must fill this prescription at specialty that should not exist frankly because um, it, it just means it like and and honestly I don't know I I have found um, in in doing some reading um, that there is a I, I am not afraid to say that the PBM industry is effectively a monopoly or an oligopsony Um and and to say that I think that there are Sherman Antitrust Act violations happening. They are protected because of um, entrenched interests. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe that the PBM industry is involved in substantial antitrust um, act violations. And in the last four years, just since I was in pharmacy school, there's been this dramatic shift in the overall like zeitgeist of America to be much more anti-monopoly than it was, um, like, and there's just a much more awareness that like fe- having Facebook own with Google like 99% of online search ad- advertising is not a good thing, and having Amazon control 90% of online sales is not a good thing, and having Caremark and CV- uh, Caremark own like the entire channel from Owning Red Oak distribution to Caremark to CVS is not a good thing. Like having these, having these uh, monopolistic em- entities across all industries. It's not just pharmacy. It's harmful to the fabric of American life. And so that, like seeing seeing farmers and restaurant restaurateurs complain about Grubhub and about Tyson Foods makes me a lot more bold. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Cuz it's not just me. It's not just pharmacy. We're not like a lot of pharmacists say on social media, oh man, can imagine another industry where someone else tells you your price and you just take it or chicken leave it. Farm. I'm like, yeah, yeah book selling? Yeah, chicken farmers. Yeah. Chicken? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's not just yeah. us. And there's there's this there's this growing movement across the whole country to to rein in this monopolistic behavior by all flavors of companies. Um, and I'm, frankly, I'm really excited about I it. Deal. And it makes me a lot a lot more confident.
1: It's funny that that kind of explains a lot of the, like, I don't do the, I don't do anything on Facebook because, you know, I don't want to give Zuckerberg any money. Uh, but, you know, like, seeing posts of yours, like on LinkedIn, which is marginally better, but probably also still pretty evil. Um, you know, like you, you come across as being like really authentic and like, here's what I believe and here's why I believe it. And I think that resonates with a lot of pharmacists who've been either afraid to speak up or haven't really been able to like articulate that and say, Oh yeah, that's exactly what I feel like. You know, there's that you know those types of things drive it and that kind of helps I think you connect with other pharmacists across the country and really have a point of view that feels the I'm not gonna say like the grapes of wrath kind of feel <laughs> of but it captures the whole this is why I do what I do and it irritates me that forces out of my control are doing things like that.
2: I, I'm I'm gonna not be quiet and say, look, we need to we need to have Sherman antitrust um, investigations of all of these companies, right? And we need to remove the the rules that the Department of Health and Human Services has put into place that allows these companies to engage in these anti-anti uh, small business tactics, right? Um, like re- rebates for brand name drugs shouldn't be a thing. Um, it, like they are a kickback. Yeah. It it should be illegal under the anti kickback statute. It's not because there's a safe harbor in place. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's
1: funny. We we've seen we've been closely watching, you know, all the the PCMA stuff going with the Supreme Court and you know, like Arkansas and Ohio. Like, I've, I mean, aside from being from Texas, I've never rarely, I've never really been proud of Arkansas. Um, but you know, like the pictures of seeing the pharmacists crowd the state house to really push back, like literally hundreds of pharmacists there. It was like, okay, these guys, Arkansas is going to be the state that saves the practice of pharmacy.
2: Rutledge vpcma let's just uh knock on wood here that it goes it goes Rutledge's way because otherwise I don't know that you can ever regulate a pbm in any meaningful way so yeah yeah and then you got I mean you have the other angle
0: right you have the other angle of okay we'll just you know we have some other folks standing their own up right you got you know things with indie health and troy and and those guys out there it's kind of the good part of that is they're not waiting on it, right? They're not waiting on Religion, and hopefully Relage works out. You're right. Um, but, it, it, you know, hats off to those pharmacists that organized and said, we're going to be a part of this. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think that is all the time we got today. Um, Benjamin, thank you so much for being on. It was entertaining as always love that you're willing to give a hot take. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no fear of the controversial statement on this one. I love it. I wish I could even be like that. (laughs) But but Benjamin, again, um, thank you for what you're doing out there. Thanks for making us better, that's for sure. And uh, I'm sure we'll be talking again (laughs) soon.
1: Awesome. All right.
0: Well, thanks. All right, Benjamin. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Catalyst podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow Pioneer X on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.